What up? How are you? Good. Good, I am too. Um, yeah, so that resilient thing, we've, we've heard a couple things already. Um, it was funny because John Eldridge, a lot of people don't know he was actually a former Navy SEAL. And, uh, and well, probably his most famous, or at least his earlier book was Wild at Heart. And, um, and, and, and I know Kaylee's dad was like huge into this. And even I think your, Cody and, a, and your brothers were going to go out and, and uh, do something with this resilience thing. They were doing some type of men's uh, weekend retreat. And at any rate, so Matt was, uh, Matt Buer was texting my brother, I and Nick. And I, we, we were like, yeah. And Nick was like, yeah, okay. And then um, Matt says, if it helps, he's a former Navy SEAL. Nick, it helps a lot. Now he's like all in. So, uh, but I was having lunch. Uh, Kurt and I were, were going over some of the blueprints and the plans and different things for the expansion project here. And uh, he was talking about, he started reading the book and how it's touching his life and coming out of COVID and coming out of the pandemic and a lot of the shutdowns and the things that, that it's helping with. So I definitely encourage that. Another thing that didn't make the announcements, didn't request for it to, is there's a, a conference coming up at the end of the month, Voice of the Apostles. Uh, that is a conference put on by Randy Clark and a lot of his friends, uh, but Lave Hetland will be there speaking. Tentatively, it's Tuesday night that Lave will be speaking and Wednesday morning, but that's at the Columbus Convention Center uh, in that area, so an hour away, so if you want to go get touched, uh, you can slip over for a night, a day, the whole week, whatever, but that's October 25th through 28th. Um, so let's get right into this. Let's get into the meat of this stuff. What do you think? Good? Um, we've been talking a lot. We, we have a language here about the altar and the table. And, and it's something in the last couple of years that we've really uh, kind of referenced and talked about, about the Lord calling us to an altar, calling us to a table, and what that looks like. And we've processed that and, and talked a lot into that. So today, I, I know like recently, and Matt mentioned it, that we talked about the threshing floor. That's really the altar. That God was calling us to a threshing floor and how that later became this spot where they rebuilt the tabernacle and how, how imperative that was and how... How um, just amazing that was. So if you missed that message, go back a few weeks and you'll, you'll catch that called Threshing Floor. Uh, and speaking of which, that kind of came in birth, as you remember a few weeks ago, a song that our good friends put out called Threshing Floor. And uh, Pastor Nathan will actually, from that church and that youth ministry, will be here next week speaking. Um, but today, I want to focus more on the table. And that's, that's really what I want to call to. And, and it was kind of birthed out of, out of a few things. There's a lot of things that build into this coming today. This was not the plan. If I would have forecasted a few weeks ago what to speak on today, it would not have been the table and communion. Uh, but a few things led up to it. First off, I want to show you a painting. Uh, this was a, a request Nicole had for her birthday. She wanted uh, this painting uh, for her birthday. So, so I bought it for her. We got it. It's, it's in our dining room now. And it's, and it's a, a cool painting. And the title is actually called Legacy Meal. And it's by an artist called Chelsea uh, McShane. And this is now in our, in our, in our dining room. And so we, we've been talking about communion. Nicole actually went on a journey doing communion every day for a season with the Lord. She might still be doing that. I don't know. Um, but then started to talk to others, went to lunch with Bruce, one of our elders, and, and he was talking about the significance. He was in a small group, I think in Greenville, and talking about the importance and the focus on communion and the... The, the stillness, the, the importance, the, the how sometimes we just go through and it's a habit or it's, it's just a thing we do and it's, and it's a ritual or it's just something we, we, we do. And, and here at this church, we do it the first Sunday of every month. So as, as I'm kind of going through this, last week we, we just ministered from the heart, just to be honest. 
And, and coming from that, we, we didn't do communion. I had planned on doing it after the sermon, and that was how we were going to end service last week. We kind of pray into how, how the Lord wants us to do communion week, uh, every month and that first week of the month. And, and I felt like it was the end of service. So we get to the end of service, and there was a vulnerable time of ministry. There was a lot going on. So I said, you yeah, know, we're not going to do it this week. We will do it next week. And I feel like that was kind of a setup from the Lord so that we can be intentional with it. That there be some intentionality, and I actually want to speak into it and, and, and teach into what communion is, and that we don't just do it on the first Sunday of the month, because we always do it on the first Sunday of the month. We don't just rush through it, and we're like, okay, here's communion, because there is a significance and a symbolism and a powerful uh, purpose of communion. So that's, that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and, and then I, I start getting emails this week or last week um, from Lou Engel and talking about Communion Colorado. I'm like, okay, so I'd already prepared the message and, and leaned into it on Monday. I had some time and uh, just pressing the Lord, and, and I actually just took the verses I was going to end with last week and expanded on it in my heart, and, and then I start getting these emails. I was like, okay, Lord, thanks. Thanks for the confirmation. I get on a phone call with Peter Lewis from Braveheart and Upper Room Dallas on Friday, and he's coming in November, so we're talking and processing. He's like, Aaron, I just I feel this call that the Lord is putting into the body to the kingdom on communion. And he's like, I'm actually doing the event with Lou Engel. I was like, oh, you are? Okay. So he was in Colorado talking to me. And, and he's like, and, and so in November, they're doing an event here called The Table. And we're going to invite our, our leaders and, and those who serve here to be part of that on Sunday evening when they're here in November. And it's this call to, to, to come to the table to do what the purpose of communion is. And, and today I want to elaborate, but I want to just do a very, very long intro on The Table um, because the table is used in the Bible so many times in so many different ways, and it's a gathering place. It's a place where we can gather. Today, I would really reference this, this, this room even, this building, this, this moment as, as a table. That we come and we gather around his presence, we gather around him, and we, we dine, right? We, we, we have community together, we, we experience him, we taste and see that he is good. Right? That's, that's, this would be some, a form, a version of a table. But in the Bible, they use it so many times. And, and I believe God's preparing a table for us. That's a promise. And if you look in the, the 23rd Psalm, he's even preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. It may look different than we think in this table where he's gathering people, those, those who are like-minded in Christ, and those who may not also be like-minded with you. Brittany. Brittany lives a wild life. I love it. When she gets up here, I never know what she's going to say. It's like, all right, she's so real. And, and, and the table, though, may look different. We have to be prepared. We, we may be at a coffee shop and suddenly somebody comes in who's different than us. What, what are we going to do about that? Are, are we prepared in season and out of season? Are we prepared to bring the glory of Jesus to everybody around us, to, to bring his peace, his hope, his joy, right? He is the, the Christ in us, the hope of glory. So all of a sudden, we end up in these events, and we end up in these places, and, and all of a sudden, we're, we're awestruck, and we're, we're taken back because of this moment that God may have put it before us, but we, our hearts, we weren't prepared. And I believe he's preparing a table. And in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, in 40, and he's referencing Revelation, there's eight tables that are mentioned. And, and then I believe a table is, is, is an invitation. A table is always an invitation. And, and it's an invitation um, that we all belong. In 1 Samuel, God uses a table to crown David as king. You know, he wasn't even at the table, and, and they're like, no, wait, there's one son missing. And it's this invitation that we all belong. No matter where you've come from, no matter where you are, you belong at God's table. 
Like, like it says that even in that verse in 1 Samuel, it says God looks at the heart. Man may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And let me just tell you this, you belong at his table. No matter where you've been or how long you were there, you belong at the table. You belong at his table. Like we are imperfect people in an imperfect world, but God is a perfect God. And he's calling us to his perfect table. The other thing, so first thing is an invitation. A table is also intimacy. The second thing a table will be is intimacy. This is like the intro points into the communion points later. Next would be intimacy. And I believe this, like all conversations, like dating a spouse, it, it usually starts at a table. It may start at a coffee shop or, or, or a restaurant. Nicole and I's first informal date was Pizza Hut. We were on a double date with other people. We came together. It was weird. It, it was very awkward. It didn't go well. She didn't talk to me for a year after that. I was there for her. She was there for me. But then also when we scooted in the booth, the other people sat to the opposite of us. So then she thought I was there for her friend. Anyway, it was awkward. So a year later, first date truly was Applebee's. So, so that's where conversation started. That's where it started. Like, how's school going, right? Like, how's studies going? What, like, how's your family? Like, you're learning each other. There's this, there's this moment where, where you're exchanging conversation. You're, communi- you're communicating. You're, you're learning about one another. That's, that's the intimacy. Intimacy, let me just tell you, folks, isn't sex. I know there's some youth in the room, and you really need to know this, because if you don't learn it here, you're going to learn it from the world. Intimacy is a closeness of hearts knitting together, and it's an emotional connection. It's a heart connection, and that happens before sex. At least it should. It should. See, sex was this thing to bring us together in one body for the point of unity and pleasure. But sometimes we, we, we do that first, and all of a sudden it gets awkward, and it's weird, right? I'm, I'm back to my youth pastor days. I'm just, I'm just speaking it straight. Then all of a sudden, you, you, you get to that, and then, then the foundation that the relationship was built on isn't strong, and if you would ever take that away, where does that leave you? Not connected at the heart, not emotionally connected, not connected intellectually, not, not spiritually, because there was a physical connection first. There's this, there's this thing where in the Bible, you know, Jesus was given, and it says they did not have sex until Jesus was born. It was like these sexual relations until Jesus was born, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus. They could have. They, they, were, they were married at that point. They were, it was just prior to, to marriage, and then all of a sudden there was an engagement. So you have this thing. So the point is intimacy is conversation, and intimacy happens around a dinner table. And see, God's calling us to be a bride, not a fiancé, or some TV tray style of relationship. I think at times we get so busy in our families and our lives with our spouse or even in singleness that we get so busy and we just rush through the dining experience. We rush through whatever we can get in our body fast. And it doesn't mean that it's nutritious. It doesn't mean that it's good for us. It doesn't mean it's good for the people around us, but we're just getting it in. It's a consumer mentality. And I think that's where we are in our nation. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm here for me. I ran into Liz coming into the church and man, you touched my heart. Because I was like, hey, there might be some people there, you know. She's like, well, I'm not really here for them. I'm here for God. I was like, wow. If only we all went into it that way, right? We wouldn't care what worship sounded like. We wouldn't care what set list it was or what song they picked or what I'm preaching on because we're here for the Lord. Next, let me just finish this. Three great examples of intimacy around the table in the Bible. First off, it's, it's the secret place, the, the table of showbread at the tabernacle. Gathering around his presence, study that. The next thing would be with the Lord. 
That's, that's communion with the Lord. That's, that's when he took the disciples in the Last Supper. There's, there's that communion with the Lord, and, and he's talking about the symbolism of that that we're going to get into here in a little bit. And the other thing is, is community or intimacy with one another in a corporate body like this. Acts 2 laid that out, that they broke bread, that they, they were house to house, breaking bread, eating with one another, connecting with one another, hanging out with one another. So there's that intimacy with the Lord, intimacy with each other. Let, let me... Let me finish on these points of the table intentionality there it takes time it it has to be purposeful it has to be intentional when you're having communion with the lord you have to set aside time for that i'll go on seasons where i'll do communion with the lord every morning as i start my day at my work and and i have i have communion cups and 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 the things in in my desk and i'll just each morning I'll, i'll close my door and i'll start that 5 10 15 20 minutes with the lord it's intentionality and with who so, so I, I guess I, and now I have a challenge before I go into the actual message. I have a challenge for us to be intentional in, in communion, in, in the table aspect. Like uh, the altar aspect's for us, right? The altar, we come together, but it's, it's really for the Lord. It's, it's us presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. It's, it's us offering incense and in a, in a burnt offering and a worship experience unto the Lord, right? That's the altar. The altar is so powerful, but then there's the table, and, and I, I challenge you to have one meal a week with your family, with your significant other, with, with a friend. Maybe if you're single, maybe it's Jesus. Like I, I, I travel sometimes, sometimes with work, sometimes in ministry. I try to never travel alone, but when I have to, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put a seat out for Jesus and say, two waters, please. And I'll, I'll, I'll like, in my mind's eye, be having dinner with Jesus. And, and like so whatever this is so I challenge you once a week to have a dinner where you're around a table and you're actually conversing with somebody where you're actually also asking questions the next I, I encourage you and I would, I would invite you to have communion once a week with the Lord I would love to go on a journey where we begin communion as a, as a habit as, as, as a rule of life as, as a thing that builds our core values the next thing I would challenge you to is invite somebody here that we could do communion together around this table, around the table of his presence. That's, that's what I invite you to do, and that's the challenge. So in saying that, laying out the foundation of the importance of table, I, I want to just, I want to talk about communion before we take it. <clears throat> First, Luke 22, 7 through 20. Chloe, could you hook me up with a water again? Thank you. Luke 22. Because I believe God is inviting us to a table today to do communion with him. And, and I, I, I want to make sure, like, like, we do church things, right? And people who grew up in church know communion. Thank you. Isn't she beautiful? My eldest daughter. <clears throat> she had homecoming last night. I was like, what happened? Where's my little girl? We share shoes now. I picked up my shoe game because they got me a pair of shoes for my birthday, and she's like, Dad, I, you know, I get to wear those. I was like, fine, you can wear my shoes. <clears throat> but I was like, man, where'd my, where'd my little baby girl go? <laughs> she's six foot now. I'm like, what happened? So <clears throat> at any rate, the Lord's inviting us to this table, and, and we do these churchy things, and, and communion is, is something known if you grew up in church. But the blessing about this church is there's probably a third of you that didn't grow up in church and you're here today with us. 
So what is communion? Why do we do it? It's not just this thing where somebody leads us through it once a month and, and this thing like this is an intimate time. It's symbolism. It's all these things. So I really want to dive in for 10 to 15 minutes here about what is communion? What's communion to you? What, what is it? Because the Lord, he, he, he says, do it. And as you do it, remember me. So we're going to focus on, on a lot of that. And this is in the Gospels, but I'm going to read from Luke 22. Is it cool if we read a few verses today? Seven, verse seven, starting at seven. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Now, now this is going back to really Exodus 12 and the Passover meal, all right? And it's talking about what, what this is and, and it was a custom from the Passover in Exodus 12 to now continue this um, and it said for generations, right? So here we come to this place and it says, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room, also known as the upper room, that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. Now, isn't this cool? Like, you ever, you ever read some of this? And you're like, oh, wow, I overlooked that. One time, um, I was, we were, Matt, he has this cabin, Matt and Amy have this cabin way out in the middle of nowhere uh, by Wayne National Forest, like towards Bob Evans Farm, all right? And <clears throat> I remember the, one of the first times we were there, he was asking one of the guys that was helping him, who was a local, where a certain hardware store is or some store. And he's like, yeah, you go around the bend and then the second bend around that big oak tree and then off of the creek, you make a left. After that, you go about, you know, it, it was not distance, it was not go one mile. It was, then there's going to be a red barn that's about half turned over, and you turn right at that. Then you go another uh, four or five houses, or like, right? It's all these directions. It reminds me of this, because I don't follow directions well like that. If I don't have my GPS, and I don't have, like, go a quarter mile on this road, turn left. Like, I can follow a map. I can do all that, right? He's like, yeah, you're going to go in town. You're going to find a man who has water. After that, he's going to lead you this and then tell him this. Like, I'm like, really? This is funny. You just can't say, hey, go to this house on this hill at this at, right? It's, it's awesome. Isn't that the journey with Jesus? We want to know exactly where we're going and how to get there. Jesus is like, no, it's going to be an adventure. And it may not always be easy. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. <laughs> It's funny. If we just lived a life in submission and faith like this, how easy life would be with Jesus. That's teachable right there. So they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the disciples, apostles, sat down together at the table. Another version says they reclined or they leaned back. This is significant in a moment. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't, I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take, this, take and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. This is the Last Supper. Saying, listen, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to do the thing. I'm about to be crucified and die on the cross and be resurrected and, 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 and be gone and, and invite you to eternity, right? 
He's doing the thing, and he said, so this is going to be the last time, and I won't, I won't do this again until its meaning and purpose is fulfilled. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Communion is a command from the Lord. It's not just a habit the church gets into. It's actually a command from the Lord. He said, this, is, this bread represents my body. My body that is going to be beaten for you. My body that is going to be bruised for you. My body that is going to be whipped for you. That my side is going to be pierced for you. This is my body, and this is the bread that represents my body. I am the bread of life, and do it, and as you do it, remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. This will mess with you. Took another cup of wine, meaning he already had one. (laughs) I'd stop at two, though, if I were you. I'd recommend stopping at two. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us, we're actually just going to stop there. Because then they begin to argue among themselves. A bunch of things begin to happen. They said, who's the greatest? It was funny. Jesus actually didn't correct that. But here's the thing. He's saying, now this is my blood. This, is, this wine represents my blood. So then we jump over to Paul in 1 Corinthians 10. A few verses here. 10, 14 through 18. I love how there's a connection here. And then we're going to go 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul corrects and teaches again into it. So my dear friends, flee from worship of idols. Okay, Paul's letters oftentimes are not only confronting, but also now demonstrating and teaching what should happen. So you have to get a context. So if he's saying don't worship idols, it means they were probably worshiping idols in some way or another. So it says, so my dear friends, flee from worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup of the, at the Lord's table, everybody say table. table. Aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? When we bless, which means you need to bless the cup. You need to bless it. You need to do it in remembrance of him. You need to know what it actually symbolizes and the importance and the value of it. And as you bless it, aren't we doing this and sharing in his blood? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, here's here's my favorite part. I was talking to Peter about this on Friday. And although, and though we are many, there's a ton of us, right? We're all different. We are all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Talking about the unity and the purpose of communion together would be unity. Sharing, coming together in the likeness, in the unity that it is Christ's blood that covers us in his body that paid a price for us. And is broken for us, right? So, so now we come in, although we're many and although we're different, we're coming together. And now we have unity to say we are one body eating from one loaf, Jesus Christ. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the what? The altar. He ties in the altar. He's connecting the table and the altar here. 
And he's talking about the sacrifices and, and, and what, this, what this was, and, and you'd have to study some of that. For sake of time, we're going to move on to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, it's, it's titled Order at the Lord's Supper. I got out of the habit of licking my fingers to like turn pages. But do you know the worst thing during the pandemic was going to the produce section of the grocery store and trying to get those bags apart. Like, I just want to put my mangoes in there. And you're like, look. Because it's impossible when your hands are dry. I'm like, I'm trying to find a little spritzer spritting water. And I was like trying to rub my fingers on the little water things and like trying to get those things apart. Back to the message. I'm just talking about from communion, you will bear much fruit from the produce section. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. We, we can go down there. But in the following instructions, verse 17, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. This is great, because we, we, we focus oftentimes on a set of scriptures, and we don't expand it on the true meaning of it. We don't dive into it, and we honestly a lot of times take for what the guy at the stage with the microphone saying. I want to... <laughs> In general, I want to provoke you to go deeper with the Lord and deeper in your word and deeper in discipleship. So, because a lot of times you're just believing what somebody else is telling you. My, my, Nicole and I, we were having a friendly conversation this weekend and uh, we were talking about something that, that we're, we're kind of on an adventure with and, and with the Lord. And, and uh, I was like, yeah, but have you read the scripture on it? You're listening to this guy. You read a book from this guy, but have you read the scripture? because she was getting on me for not listening to a podcast that she wanted me to listen to. I was like, yeah, but I read the scripture. Anyway, it's, it's, both are good. But scripture has ultimate authority. So, one of the things I'm confronting here and why I'm reading this whole section is, it says to examine yourselves and don't do communion unworthily. And I've always thought of that as a personal thing, judging myself in sin morality, walking righteous with Christ, right? And, and it is that, but it's beyond that. So let me, let me carry on here. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. Oh, y'all doing it for the wrong reasons. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. He's calling them out. Paul is calling these folks out. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. Basically, you came to the church because you were hungry and you just needed a meal. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. And some of you all came just to party from the wine. Where Jesus is not being remembered as breaking the bread and his broken body and the wine representing his blood. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want to praise you? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it to God. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this and remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. 
Do this, remember me as often as you drink it. Man. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You are recognizing that Christ was crucified and resurrected until he returns. And as often as you do this, reflect on that. Give thanks for that. Worship in that. Receive that covenant. Receive that blood covenant. Receive that brokenness so that we can be whole. He's saying until the Lord returns, this is what you're going to do. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is a self-examination, but it's also saying if you're coming to get drunk and not focus on Jesus, don't do it. If you're coming because you're just hungry and you want to eat, back then I'm sure the bread was much better than these little things. If you're coming because you're hungry and you just need a meal and you're not doing it to remember Jesus, then don't do it. If you're coming and your eyes are on other people instead of Jesus, don't do it. I think we could evaluate our worship on that too. If you're coming to church for your eyes to be on other people, don't do it. If you're worshiping and your hands are in the air and you're more distracted about your circumstance than Jesus, then don't do it. Worship is about him, not you. Worship is about him, not your circumstance. Worship is about who he is. Praise is about what he's done. Where in that equation during praise and worship is anything about you? Then that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking in God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being discipled, disciplined, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the truth sandwich. When you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at your home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. He's like, I'll deal with the other stuff later, but this is important, and I need to get it to you now. This, this is so imperative to get, and, and, I, and I just, as, as I close here, I just, I want to kind of form some points here around this. First off, this is a significant, important thing that we were commanded to do multiple times in the Word, that it wasn't just saying, if you do it, do this. No, it says, do this, and as you do it, remember me. Do communion, have communion, partake in communion, and when you do it, remember his blood. As you do it, remember it was the bread that represents his body that was broken. This is so imperative that it is a command. This should be a rule of life. This should be a core value of ours as we, as we walk with the Lord. This is a time of the intentionality, the intimacy, right? The invitation to be with him. So, so what, is, what is communion in the first place? For me, communion is intimacy with the Lord. It's dinner with the Lord. And, it's, and I may not be getting steak and potatoes, but it is the very thing that I, my life needs. It's the very thing my heart, my spirit needs. And it's him as the bread of life and his blood to cover everything that's going on. It's a time of thankfulness. It's a time of honor. It's a time of, of remembrance. It's a time of reflection. It's a time to know that, yes, that is his body we're doing this for. That is his blood that paid the price for this. That is him. It's him. It's a, it's a time of worship. Communion is a time of worship. It's, it's not just this ritual. It's, it's, it's this intimate, relational component of who Jesus is. Let, let, me, let me move on. It's unity with others. 
It's unity. We get this opportunity, and, and I believe that was like, examine yourselves. Are you coming because you're hungry? Are you coming because you want to get drunk? Or are you coming because your eyes aren't on Jesus, and you're not going to be in unity, but you're going to be divided over these stupid little things? That's the examine yourself. Because when we're going to do this, we're going to do it together, and we're going to look only on him. We're going to reflect and remember only his blood and his body. I don't, I, I'm so thankful for this opportunity, you know, just to be really honest that we didn't just rush through it last week. I feel there needed to be like a teaching and a, and a, a humility in coming to the submission of Jesus of what communion really is in our lives. Amen. We get so busy, it's like alarm's off, time to go work out. Okay, I'm at work, got to get ready, got to get the thing done, got to do the thing, got to get everything done. Gotta, oh, oh, after, after work, got to go to grocery, got to go to the kids' event, got to go to the sporting event, got to do this. We need to slow down. And the Lord's inviting us to this table and we need to be intentional to set aside time to do this. Let me, let me just say this. The reality is communion and time and worship, well, that time with the Lord, whatever that looks like for you, is way more important than any workout you'll ever get. It's way more important than, than doing the checkoff list and the, the honeydew list and the to-do list of anything else you've got going on. Let me just say that all of that will flow way more effectively if we're walking from rest and we're walking from a, a place of worship, a place of communion and communing with the Lord. And let me just tell you, you don't need these fancy little gluten-free cups to make it happen. During COVID, we were inviting people to, to, to have juice and Cheez-Its. At one point, I think people said they were doing Doritos because that's all they had in their house. It's symbolic. It is symbolic to say, no, as we do it, whatever we use and whatever it is that we have available, we're going to do it in a place of worship in our heart to remember Jesus and be in thankfulness, and we're going to bless it. Let, let me just say four things that I feel communion represents or the power of communion is connection, unity with the Lord, unity with each other. Covenant. Covenant. His covenant. It's, his promises are yes and amen. His word to us is fulfilled. His, his covenant, the blood covenant. It's, it's covering. There's a covering of us. There's a protection. There's, there's this, we get to walk. Like my kids, when they're around me, they know they're safe. When my girls are with me, they know they're safe. They, their guard goes down. If, the, if we're walking through the woods and they're with me, they know they're good, you know? All of a sudden, though, if dad's not around, I'm not going out there to shut the chickens in the dark. There might be something out there. You want me to go with you? Yeah, okay. And then they're like walking in front of me. They're, they're feel, that's a covering. There's a safety. There's a covering. There's a connection. There's a heart connection. There's a safety. The last thing that, that I feel is a cleansing. His blood, his body, the price he paid cleanses us, makes us pure, makes us whole, makes us worthy that when we examine ourselves in him, now I have worth, in him, Christ in me, the hope of glory, I am worthy to partake in this communion to remember him. And it doesn't matter what church denomination you're from or what, what, what body you're regularly with. If you're here today, you're part of God's body and his bride. And you're welcome to do communion with us. We, we would never exclude anybody. The Bible doesn't say for me to examine you. It says for you to examine yourself. We're never going to deny communion. We even let children, as long as they have an understanding of what it is, we allow them and their parents to make that decision. So no matter how old, young, where you're from, if this isn't your home church, we welcome you this because God's bride is beautiful and it looks very different. And although there's many among us, we break from the same bread and we come together as one body. Let me finish this with, with one verse, and then we're going to ask the, the worship team in the back booth to play a song, please. 
Uh, Psalm 23.5 says this, and it's, it's a beautiful version, the Passion Translation. If, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with that, if you don't have it, that's, it's so beautiful. It's such a poetic, heartfelt version of, of, of Jesus and, and some of the, the verses that come. And uh, I usually read from NLT, uh, ESV is probably one of my favorites to teach from. Um, and then, but to read and just enjoy and just take in when I'm in communion with the Lord or just, just wanting to just, just dive into some intimacy with him, the Passion Translation is so beautiful. So Psalms 23.5 in the Passion says this, You become my delicious feast. The Lord becomes my delicious feast. I taste and see he's good, right? It says, Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. Man, talking about a feast and the bread, and you talk about you give me all that I can drink until my heart overflows. I want to drink of the communion of Jesus. You ever notice, like I almost said, I want to drink of his blood. And then I realized I'd probably be at the party Brittany referenced. (laughs) Have you ever realized, like, the church language we use? Just drink his blood. Again, there's context. It's all symbolic. And, and I want to just invite you. Here's, here's, here's what kind of had a vision for and, and a hope. Is that last week was powerful. If you missed last week, um, I, I advise you to, to, to go watch it. it. It wasn't a profound word. It wasn't this crazy revelation. It was simply the vulnerability in the heart of Jesus to be whole. And, and what happened at the end of service uh, was was there was openness and vulnerability and transparency and people began to open up and the point of the message was and the title was really how are you and in that it's like not just saying hey how are you I heard a story um, <laughs> Daniel shared with me Daniel and Zach were at the gym and some lady came in and like how are you good you good and they're like and then they looked at each other and they're like all right never mind. I'm not good I'm actually not good she's like what she's like Aaron preached a message, and I'm just being real. I'm not good. I'm, I'm going through a rough time. And, and then it, it opened up this exchange and conversation because of, of vulnerability. And through the week, we had so many people messaging us and saying, hey, I heard your message. I'm struggling. Thank you for preaching that. Here's where I'm struggling. We started partnering with prayer partners in the church and started getting them resources and help and trying to, to make connections. And one, one person lives pretty far away and even in her community making a connection there so she feels as part of a community. And it's this beautiful thing that we're when we're open. So what happened was we just paired up and we said, okay, ask how you are and then say, no, really, how are you? Instead of this that autonomic response, hey, how are you? Good, you, okay, good, bye. Today, I felt like there would be small groups of people, and the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, you know, lay hands, they'll recover, and if we specifically go into just following the Great Commission of the Gospel, it says, let the believers lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. I think at times, we say, well, it has to be a pastor, it has to be somebody who ordained, it has to be a priest, you know, all these things, right? Because they're higher to God. No, that is not true. It says, let the believers lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. It doesn't say in that context, let the elders, let, let the believers so I just had this vision, and I asked my daughter, Olivia. She's very prophetic. She, she sees visions with Jesus. And I was like, hey, I had three things in mind for the ending the service. I said, pray into this. See what you think. And she's like, I said, I'm feeling we get in small groups and do communion in small groups. Just pray for one another. 
And then I came back. She's like, Olivia, Olivia said, she's like, yeah, dad, that's it, the small groups. So that's just what we're going to do. And, and um, we've got communion somewhere. Just if somebody, okay, we've got a few people passing them out. If you need a communion compliment, will you just raise your hand? If you're home right now, if you're watching through the week online, just, just get what you can. Just whatever is symbolic. And in a moment, we'll facilitate communion. And I'll, I'll lead communion and as you are in small groups. And then I, I want you guys, there is power in his blood. There's effectiveness in his body. L- let, me, let me just say that <clears throat> as we do this to remember him and we do it as an act of worship and our heart is turned towards him, he can't help but to love us, to heal us, to deliver us. Because that is the point of his blood. That's the point of his body. That was the point of the cross. That was the point of the crucifixion that he was broken so we could be made whole. So after we do communion as an act of worship to remember him, I would love for you to stay in your small groups and just begin to minister to one another. Begin to pray for one another. Begin to ask, how are you? Is there anything we can pray for? Is there anything that you need the blood to cover? Is there anything that you need his body who was broken to be made whole? Is it a relationship that could, it's not just bodies, it's not physical bodies only. It's minds, emotions be made whole, relationships be made whole, finances be made whole, homes be made whole, marriages be made whole. Those, those are the things. He was broken so we could walk in wholeness. So if everybody has communion, I would love for you to just break out in the small groups, maybe, maybe four-ish people. No one left behind, please. So you can do that right now, and then I'll, I'll begin to lead you in communion. So if you see somebody who's alone, just, just go snag them. Just, just go get them. Look across the room. Don't always just go who's comfortable and around you. Come on, step out. We talked about it last week. Step out. Somebody needs love today. So hop in a group. If you're alone, just get up and go find somebody and plop in. I need two of you. Two of you. Grab that microphone. I need two of you. Okay, quick introduction of who each other is, and then let's start with the bread. Before we do this, I'm going to actually ask Emily to lead us through the bread and the body. I'm going to ask Chloe to lead us through the juice representing the blood of Jesus. But before we do that, I'd love to pray for unity in this house, unity in this room, unity in relationships, that we have this time of examination, that we're not doing it for the wrong reason, that our hearts will shift as an act of worship to him. Then, if you're doing that, all of a sudden, you should be worthy. You you should be examined to say, yes, this is my heart to honor, to bless, to worship him. 
So Jesus, I thank you for the unity here. I thank you for those who are watching online. I pray unity where they're at in their home, their situation, their hearts. Lord, we ask that we don't come to do it just, just to get fed physically. But Lord, we do it in adoration to you. We do it in thankfulness to you. We do it in remembrance of you. Lord, I pray that there, there aren't eyes on anybody else but you. And I, I ask, Lord, right now that if there's any division or oughts, that you just heal them right now. If there's any unforgiveness right now, Lord, we just we put it at the feet of your cross. And you cover it with your blood. So, Lord, I thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, as we do communion, we just settle the busyness. We settle the distractions. And we turn our hearts and our attention, our adoration to you, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, I just ask that as we take this bread, that we just don't, that we don't do it out of competence, but we do it because we want to, Lord. That we do this out of remembrance of you and for the sacrifices you made, Lord. And that you just heal anybody who may be broken, Lord, who may be falling apart. Just help them back together, Lord. And just show them the good father you are good father that you are and that you are there for us in our time of need and, uh, and in our time of greatness you are always there Lord if you could just break that if you're able to just break that and his body was broken so you could be whole so we thank you we thank you we thank you for your body we come with thankfulness and worship and adoration just in your own way begin to remember him we thank you for your body that it was broken for us Jesus you are worthy. You are good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for your blood, and I thank you for what you did on the cross for us, that your blood covers all disease, all sickness, all ailments, and um, anything that we feel that's not of you, you died on the cross for it, so it's no longer needed in our lives. And thank you for everything that you did. Um, your blood covers everything, and we don't need to have anxiety because we know that you are holy and you're omnipotent, and you your blood covers everything. Well, thank you for your blood. There's more power in your blood than one drop than anything else. We remember you, Jesus. Lord, we give thanks for your blood. We give thanks for you, Jesus. We give thanks. We thank you for your cleansing power, for your covering, Jesus, for your covenant and your connection, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what I'd love for, to do from this point in, in, in a continual heart of worship is begin to ask one another, what, what is it that you need cleansed? What is it that you need covered? What, what, what do you need God's blood to pour out on? So just begin to interact in your group. If, if you're online, you can ask online or, or begin to share that online and, and we'll all engage with you. Just for a few moments here, just, just get intimate with one another. What do you need his blood to cover? For those of you watching online, <clears throat> what is it that you need his blood to pay for right now? <clears throat> 